HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March 5th, 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. New York City Beer Week is over, and we're here for a whole new show uh, post-Beer Week. We've got Ben Granger from Beercraft and James Ty, the Beer Acolyte, to talk about his new project in India. All right, so thanks to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. If you want to learn more about it, you can check out the Beer Cloud to find where to buy good beers and take the, the Good Beer uh, 100 test. Check it out. GreatBrewers.com. All right, we're here. Uh, ben, how was beer week for you? Awesome. Seven days of solid drinking. Nothing can be wrong with it that. It was fun as heck. And James? Uh, yeah, it destroyed me. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a very fun, oh, it was a very painfully fun week. I loved it. So that's what we do every day and every week, and beer week, you did it double. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's beer week every week at Beercraft. Heck yeah. Well, like, let, I want to talk about what you're doing first, Ben, because you're doing something cool. You're actually putting in a brewery into your successful beer store and beer bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're putting in. I mean, we're it's it's actually pretty much in at this point. We're just waiting on licensing. Uh, we put in a one barrel system in the back of the shop. We've got about we have eight barrels worth of fermentation space. Um, we're keeping it pretty low key, um, in the sense that. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to give up any of our regular draft lines. Uh, we're just going to add two more or three more and just put beer craft beer on there. Uh, Joe Tracy is going to be our brewer. He's a very talented brewer. Um, and, yeah, that, that's that. We're just going to add one more facet to the business. We already are a, you know, a beer bar, bottle shop, you know, sandwich shop. Now we're just going to add brewery to the, uh, to the list as well. You know, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be kind of low-key. Do you want to talk about that license? Sure. Because I've, I've never heard of it before. You told me about it a couple months ago. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's called the Restaurant Brewer's License. Um, I believe it was created in the 80s uh, in response to the growth of um, brew pubs in New York City and some, some pushback from some of the larger breweries. Um, <clears throat> and um, what it basically does, says, is that you can make a certain amount of barrels every year. Um, you can't bottle for resale. In other words, I couldn't like I couldn't bottle it and keg it and sell it to Jimmy's Forty Three for resale. I could I can only just really sell it out of the shop um, and you know pints and growlers and things like that. Um, you're only allowed so many of them. It's a pretty like it's a pretty straightforward license. You know, um, it's a funny license because it really fits for us. In particular, but I don't think it, you know, is one of those things that applies or really works for, you know, the the aspiring, you know, brewery owner. You would really want a brew pub's license then, because you're just kind of very limited to, you know, production volume and 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 things of that nature. But for a beer bar or a bottle shop that was looking to kind of like find that next cool thing to do, yeah, that's where that's where it is. It's right there. That, it sounds great. Well, I've been trying some drinking your homebrew for a number of years. Yeah. So I know you know how to make good beer. And Joe is Joe the guy that works in the shop already? Yeah. Tall guy with frizzy hair. Good yeah, beer. yeah. Tall, crazy looking dude. He walks around carrying kegs all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only does he look crazy, but he's actually he's actually real. He's really crazy. Perfect. So he kind of he kind of fits the fits the look. But he makes great beer. He makes some really. What's really going to be good about this is we're not going to be tethered. To kind of um, any flagship beer because we're going to be so small, so we'll have the ability to just put on a pale ale, and the pale ale recipe can be different every single run. But we'll also have the ability to make you know one barrel of sour, weird, funky, bizarre, strange, smoked, salted, herbed, spiced, etc., 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 oaked. I can keep going. I know you can. I'm looking for and and James. We got a special guest in studio. Guest Heidi from Most Fund Mongolista Forum. So she's here hanging out, trying to get to know more about Heritage Radio Network. And I can tell you, if you're a listener, you should join and become a member. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, Jack Inslee's in the studio tonight. He's our our head, whatever producer of the of the network, and he's engineering tonight, which is always a treat. So if you heard good music, he's spinning back there. All right, and James, you, you know, tell us a little bit what you're doing. You're, you're investing in a invested in a brewery in, in India. Oh, that's right. So we're going from like hyper small, you know, uh, beer bar, beer store, mini brewery to a, a huge venture, right, in pretty, another country. Pretty much the wild, wild South Asia West. Yeah, no. yeah. So we're we're doing a a brew pub concept uh, in the city of Pune, uh, which is I, I would say it's probably the seventh largest city. In India, um, I would I, I've equated it before to something like an Atlanta of India. Um, a lot of intellectual capital, uh, you know, they're multinationals there, um, disposable income. So it seems like it makes a lot of sense um, to start something in Pune. So if I took a map of India and I said throw a dart at Pune, you could hit it. Uh, depends on how close I was to the map. Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit India because in India, you know, it was it was an English colony. And then it became independent, but for a long time, the, the names of the cities were in English. Right. So what have they done? Restored their names to traditional? Yeah, they, they have. But I'm actually, you know, not, not being South Asian, not being in, of Indian descent, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've talked to a bunch of um, South Asian just, uh, um, acquaintances and likes, and they really didn't have a problem with um, the English 
version of it. I mean, I've re- I referred to cities as uh, Mumbai, and the, they'll just call it Bombay. And, and what was Pune? Um, I, I've only known it as Pune. Pune. Yeah. <laughs> and there we are. It's not like I'm a, I'm a freshman in high school in Latin class, and some of the words that when you say, you know, they sound like dirty words if you say them a certain way. <laughs> That's because you have a dirty mind, Jimmy. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, That's why I invited Heidi in, because Heidi uh, is also going to talk a little bit about... about uh, Tell us about Mangalista Pigs, because we, we like to talk about food and beer pairing, too, and this is a good group right here. Well, I'm, of course, everyone knows pork goes really well with uh, with beer, but of course, at this point, Mangalista is Eastern European, so we're totally talking about a different part of the world. But uh, I, I think when it comes to thinking about pork and beer, Mangalista going to be the perfect way to do it, because it's deep, it's dark, it's rich super amazing fat and that's what you want when you're drinking a really great beer you want something where the beer is going to cut through that amazing fat and still leave incredible flavor so with ben from Beercraft, who, who is a chef as well as a home brewer and shop owner and you let's put together a couple improvised beer menus like pick pick, pick a cut and a dish that you guys would make with your most fun mangalista and ben will pair it with a beer <gasps> hmm. oh no. i start it. i start <clears throat> Belly, just super fatty. I mean, oh, he's gonna start talking already. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> like, like belly, like like we cured it and hung it, and then no. Or everyone belly, does. Like everyone does a cute just or basic belly, like just like braised belly, braised belly, just braised belly, braised belly, like spiced like ginger clove spice or braised belly spice like you know thyme, rosemary, garlic. Like, are we talking? What are we talking here? How about both? How about both? Okay, so. For like, you know, that kind of ginger clove, a touch of sweetness, that kind of like rich braised belly that that often gets done. Um, I would definitely go with something in the way of uh, Belgian beer. I would even probably do something with a little bit of tartness, maybe something that's got uh, maybe even uh, a Lou Pepe Creek. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, we could even actually what would do well, probably best is the beer we're drinking right now, which is Yever Hopka Extra. Oh, this one right here? Yeah, it's a quad, but it's got a little bit of tartness to it. So, you know, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rich enough to stand up to the fat of belly, mm-hmm. but it's got a, a touch of sourness that'll like actually kind of carve through that and balance it out a that's bit, actually I what i was thinking when i was drinking it i was tasting you how could, crisp and tart but has some body to it it's really going to work with specifically mongolita pork because you've got that gorgeous fat but yet that huge amount of flavor from the meat you could probably braise it in this and it would be oh, outstanding yeah. that Rich, would be amazing tart. so you're saying that like something specific like a real fatty pork there are certain beers that will balance those flavors out yeah, you, you know, it's not a perfect, you know, um, it's, it's not like a perfect algorithm there. It's more of like, okay, rich, fatty pork, but, you know, how are you cooking it? What what other flavors are going mm-hmm. into it? Because that's really going to affect, like if you were to take and braise that belly and, I don't know, habaneros and, and galangal or, or ginger or, you know, or, and like a kind of jerk flavors, you know, uh, it would be a, a completely different beer similar concept you would need something with a little richness and something with a little dryness to it but you know you would you would you would definitely take it up a little bit you know in a different direction perhaps like a dark saison maybe yeah mm-hmm. yeah like a dark saison yeah. you know like still having that roast but having that bright yeasty thing you know that's that, that and still having the beer fairly dry you know like Absolutely. And Heidi, at, at Most Fun Mangalista, have you guys done any programs where you've tried to pair pork with beer or work with breweries or, or chefs who are cooking with beer? 
that's actually something we're looking to do more of. We, we've done random events in the past before I was actually a part of the um, the farm, and but I've always understood and really felt that beer and pork really do work so well together, and I really want to work with brewers and brew pubs to to make these types of types of events happen and and i think it's it's time to really make it start happening more often because they're a perfect match they really are um sometimes wines can be a little bit too light beer cleanses the palate it it, it cleanses you know the thirst everything and then you move forward and you just keep on eating which is what you want to do now beer makes me thirstier sometimes (laughs) (laughs) let's just say james before before the show what does beer make do for me uh it's it stimulates you it does Yeah. yeah yeah Sure. What doesn't pork as well sometimes? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But hey, thanks. So most fun mangalis you guys are out in Jersey and you guys have a website? Yeah, uh www.mostfund. I'm going to spell it M O S as in Sam E F as in Frank U N D.com. And I'll give a shout out. I first met uh the most fun guys at New Amsterdam Market, which is uh in the site of the old Fulton Fish Market downtown Seaport, New York City, and they're they're fighting to save the Seaport. Uh, there's a big movement coming up that that the Fulton Fish Market sat there for a long time empty, and uh, New Amsterdam Market says, "Why don't you preserve it, turn it into a public market?" I'm all for it. And support cool people, local food. You meet emerging you know food makers and everything, and that's cool. On the same note, talking to Ben, what what I found in New York, New York City Beer Week this year was the first time that. Most of the beers that I served at Jimmy's Number 43 were from new, small, local breweries. And uh, we did a little tour with foodrepublic.com, and we went to, we went to visit you, 508 Gastro Pub Brewery in Manhattan, Bridge and Tunnel in Queens, and Rockaway Brewing in Queens. And not one of you guys is using uh, any system larger than a two-barrel system. Yeah. And uh, I love I love the experience of having guys self-deliver, so the brewer is actually bringing it to me. That's one of the great things about New York. I love the experience of each batch is different, and I feel like that's the new future in New York, and I'm, I'm really proud of you, man. I feel like you broke some, some new waves. So cheers Gee, to you, man. And, and what, so this, this is a beer you had on, on draft, and you brought it in a growler? Yeah, yeah. Um, this beer first came to us uh, from um, Brian Ewing, which you, you know from 12%. And uh, years ago, he actually, before he even imported this beer, he brought it to us and, and said, hey, I want to be an importer. What do you think of this beer? And we were like, holy crap, this is delicious. You should totally bring this. And then now he's like one of the most ridiculous importers in the city. And uh, so we've recently started getting it in on draft. On draft, it's a little more, it's a little more tart. It's a little more funky. Um, but it still retains that like that ruby richness that it's got. It's delicious. It's a great beer. Well, this is really true. So it's it's tea. It's like it's tea apostrophe Gavrahopta. Yeah, it's a Belgian right? brewery that's got a you know there's a very long name with lots of consonants all together. All right. gave Let's make a toast. There's a couple other campaigns out there that we're behind. You can go to thegoodbrewseal.com and check it out. Our guy on Long Island, John Conzilla, Conzilla Farms. He, he has a Kickstarter campaign out there, which I know just hit their numbers this week. Um, he's raising money to get a hop harvester because he wants to really grow his hop farm. You know him too, right? Yeah, I met him. I met him for a, for a hot minute, but he hit his numbers. He hit his numbers, but it's still live. So you can go to goodbrewsteel.com. Totally awesome. 
And another another news story, Blind Bat, which is one of our favorite nano breweries on Long Island, he's also raising money. He's got a Blind Bat uh, beer club where you can come in and, and join at a certain level, and he's going to expand. Uh, he's actually technically in his garage, mm-hmm. and he's going to expand to a, a separate location, uh, which is great because he's also he makes a lot of sour beers. He makes like a smoke yeah, sour Yeah, he makes wit. some crazy stuff. Have you had some Blind Bat at We've beer? We've had some stuff float through early on, but I think most of it really gets gobbled up on Long Island. So it doesn't even make it to us. And he's he's so he's so small that it just it get, all gets consumed right you know right tight close to the brewery. You rarely see it. You even at bottle shares and things like that. You rarely see those beers come through. Rarely, rarely. But we, we really impressed. I mean, that, that, that guys are going to crowdsourcing. You know, like Godzilla Farms last week. He he came to Brewers Choice our event, and uh, a bunch of writers put put the word out and hit his numbers. Uh, people wrote to me. There's guys up in Albany trying to get together and uh, buy a collective uh, hop harvesting machine. Because I mean, that's the big thing with hops. You can't just pick them by hand. Well, I mean, you could. It's but. really efficient. <laughs> you can do anything you want. Uh, no, there's only a handful of hop harvesters. No one's holding in the you country. back, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get some stilts. I'm gonna be the mobile hop harvester. Um, no, but there's only a handful of of hop harvesters in the country. In fact. Um, I was watching a documentary on, I don't even know what channel. It was about growing hops, and it was primarily about the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest. And the guy cited his, his German-made you know, hop, hop harvester as one of two in the country, which, you know, I built most of the stuff we have at the shop. So the first thing I thought to myself was, wow, that must be nuts getting replacement parts for that thing. So, you know, that's kind of a, a, a big hurdle for these guys to overcome. It's going to be the hop, the harvesting and the processing of these hops. You know, you you can go to maturity and have the most beautiful hops, but if you, you know, screw up the, the curing process, it's all is lost. All is lost. But it's it's a good future for New York State farming too, you know? Oh absolutely. You know it's a, it's an exciting time of beer right now with all these tiny little breweries popping up and with these tiny little breweries we get more hop harvesters as you know, as the market grows, the demand for beer grows, the demand for beer grows, the the amount of breweries grow, the amount of breweries grow, then we have more, you know, hop growers and, and maltsters and so on. So it's it's pretty exciting right now. We're we're experiencing some pretty rapid growth. It's really cool. Well, cheers to you, man, and good luck with the brewery license. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. First, we're going to say James Ty and Avanish from the Independence Brewing Company in India. We'll be back at the next segment of Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Cheese Gainsburg by Tackstar on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're fortunate to be out here at Roberta's in Bushwick. Looking forward to our, probably we're going to have pork collar tonight paired with uh, some kind of sour beer. Uh, Ben's pouring the Lou Pepe from Cantillon, which is like a huge collectible, awesome sour beer that, that you know, we talked about beer and food pairing earlier. Beer craft getting its own beer brewing license. And uh, now we've got, uh, we're going all the way to India. Um, our good friend James Ty is in, is in the studio, and his buddy partner Avanish uh, from Independence Brewing Company is on the line. Avanish, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Great. So it's it's, it's James and I and, and a couple other guests here. Um, Great. So just tell us a little bit about uh, you know your vision. I, I know I'll tell you what I know about what you've done. I know that in in it, is Hindu the language that you guys use, or is there another language? So Hindi is the main language Hindi. of India. Uh, yeah, but uh, India is not, uh, you know, it, it's a complex question, Jimmy, and, uh, you know, there, there is no real one language uh, that really unites the entire country other than, actually, English. I mean, you will, uh, you will see that it's actually very easy to get by in India these days. Most people are taught English very early, um, but Hindi is the national language of the country. Okay, so I have a line from your website that says, Yavasura or Yavira, it's the word for mild intoxicating drink made of barley. Mm-hmm. So is there a, a long tradition of brewing beer in, in India? A long time ago. A long, long time ago. And, uh, I mean, historically, there certainly was, um, you know, a malted beverage uh, that people did consume. But we're talking, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And over time, certainly, you know, with British rule, um, with the, the cultural, um, uh, societal, uh, set of beliefs, the religion, they've, they've kind of changed what was accepted and, uh, they moved away from beer. And, uh, the primary drink in India, you know, amongst, you know, the, my, my parents' generations, my grandparents' generation was really scotch, uh, and whiskey. And, but India is going through this really remarkable change today where, you know, you've got, uh, 600 million people under the age of 21 years old. They're actually all growing up in an American and European-influenced society. That's amazing. And uh, so people are going up to happy hour for the very first time, and uh, they're looking for beers. Uh, so, uh, and there's really none there. So that's, uh, that's really the fundamental reason why, you know, we thought, let's bring something better. Let's bring something to India where people can, can really see how varied, how truly complex, how, how amazing craft beer can be. All right. Well, um, yeah, we've talked to different people from around the world. We've talked to guys from New Zealand, Lebanon, you know, and uh, in Lebanon there's a guy, he's the only craft brewer in, in Lebanon, and he's comparing himself all the time to Heineken-owned breweries. I mean, do you have anything to compare yourself to, or is it really just a blank slate where, where you it's are? It's a blank slate. It, it really is a blank slate. I mean, when you look at, um, when you look at the beer market in India, and I won't use specific brand names here, but, you know, let's call it the, uh, the commoditized beer market, you know, your mainstream industrial lagers. Uh, you, you know, that is, that is really everywhere. And uh, even just the drinking culture, it's not one where people casually sit down to savor a beer. It's, uh, it's a culture where if you're drinking beer, you're going to pound it. <laughs> you're going to throw it back, and you're going for that, that alcohol content. And, uh, you know, all of the market statistics... You know, show that the strong beer category is really taken off in India for that purpose. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're really trying to change, you know, many things in India. You know, first and foremost is really just to show people that, that, that craft beer and the varieties that go along with it, you know, are, are so, so tremendous, so, so 
uh, complex, so varied that uh, it deserves to be savored. It deserves to be appreciated like any sort of gourmet food. Um, Anish, um, let, let me ask you something like the, the culture in India. So in general, is there it's similar to a place around the world where, where people get together, they party, they celebrate, and, and they drink? Or is there like any type of prohibition in that country or, you know, religions that keep people from drinking? Yeah, no, there's a, there's one state where there's an active prohibition today, and that's a state called Gujarat. Um, interestingly to, to know, uh, unofficially, they drink more than any other state in India. But officially, <laughs> officially you know, it, it's, it's, there is prohibition there. And uh, but, you know, the, the black market is, uh, is certainly a thing in India, and, and so there certainly are ways around the... Uh, Know, what, what's officially restricted. Um, but you're right. I mean, people do get together. They, they do go partying. They do like to drink, uh, you, know, you know, even spirits. The spirit uh, industry is growing dramatically. Uh, the wine industry is booming in India. So any, any category that you choose to look at within the Indian market that goes along with just their economic success, um, you know, everything's growing dramatically. I'm going to ask James, James Ty. Now. So, James, you've invested in this business. That's right. So tell us more about your, your perspective on this. Well, uh, the big reason why I invested in it, um, aside from – well, I, the, the big reason why I invested is because I thought that India was like a great market to get into in terms of it being – it's an emerging market, if not one that's already there, um, the growing uh, – percentage of disposable uh, families with disposable income, households with disposable income, and a lot of the numbers made sense. Um, but a big reason why I, I decided to get uh, behind independence uh, versus some other venture is that I think Avanish and Shaley are, are really great at what they do, and I, I believe in them strongly. Um, their, their expertise in, in, their, in their specific skill sets are are just something that you can get behind. So it's like investing one on one. You trust in the CEO. Absolutely. You've been reading your books, James. I've been trying. <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> and what about Ben? Ben's our serious beer guy. He's gonna grill you, Avanish. Watch out. Avanish, until we get one of your, your beers in our hands and we can taste it, I really can't say much more about it. Yeah, <laughs> but Ben true. has some questions. Avanish, I now I understand you guys are gonna be you're gonna be a seven barrel system, brew pub style. Eight and a half barrel. Yep. Eight and a half barrel. That's an odd number. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of an eight and a half barrel system. Anyways, so now, I, being a brew pub, you're going to have to brew kind of like the can- standard like golden, brown ale, et cetera, et cetera, for kind of a larger part of your market. Are you guys intending on, um, and I, I was speaking uh, to James about this before the show, are you guys going to um, be brewing with uh, kind of local ingredients? Or are you going to tap into kind of some of the local flair, spices, things like that, and be doing some kind of crazy weird beers to tap into that, you know, other 2% of the market that is the people who like, you know, sour, smoky, whatever, incredibly hoppy, high alcohol, whatever it might be? People that go to beer craft. Yeah, people that go to beer craft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely, and so so a big part of our our intentions, our ambitions is is to really, you know, be be uh, experimenting with all the ingredients that that can be used locally grown. Uh, India's got a variety of things that could really make for tremendous beers. Um, you know, obviously on the fruit side, we're known for the mangoes, right? And uh, so mango mangoes during season are, are extremely abundant. I think it could be a very interesting ingredient. Um, you know, neem, the neem tree. Uh, it's not something that many people in the U.S. are familiar with, but it is a it is a standard component of most Ayurvedic medicines. It's actually in all forms in India, you know, going from oils to oral supplements. I mean, there's an entire 
the Ayurvedic industry really believes strongly in its, in its medicinal properties. And it has a very unique bitterness property that could be a very nice complementary bitterness to, to traditional hop bitterness. I like, um, where you ta- I like where you're taking this. Beer as medicine. That is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you know, I, I know a lot of uh, Ayurvedic yoga people in New York City who don't drink. So maybe this would give them an excuse to have a beer. <laughs> Boo. That's yeah. right. That's, that's the market we're going for. <laughs> and, you know, it's not other ingredients, jaggery. So jaggery, if anyone's familiar with it, you know, it's an unrefined sugar made from uh, coconut and dates and sugar cane. Uh, that could be a very, you know, addition, it could be a very interesting additional ingredient for it. So to your point, absolutely, we want to use some local ingredients. We want to show people that, that this is much more than your, your traditional you know, watered-down lager that you're getting from the big brands in India. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for fun here. Cool. That sounds really cool. And, I mean, I, I, I would be shameful if I didn't ask this, but being the placement of the, uh, the brewery, you guys had better make a killer IPA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, yeah, everyone asked that question. Let me say something about that. So obviously we all know how IPA got its sure. name. Sure. And that's not, a, that's not a story that is really that favorably viewed in India. Uh, the British, the British taking these beers that were, you know, excessively hopped for, uh, you know, an antimicrobial uh, on the voyage to India during the imperial times is not really something that I think is going to be, you know, a, a story that people are going to are going to feel good about. No. So, me and James and a lot of the guys were saying, you know what, there, there's India pale ale, and uh, but but there's never been an Indian pale ale, Indian with an N. And I'm very curious as to what we could do with that. I mean, uh, the market is so large in India, there is nothing that says we need to hold with standard style types. We can do a variety of things. Uh, we've got our own market, and we're going we're gonna to grow. The, the craft beer industry in India is going to grow in a very different way that, than it did in the United States. We yeah, have no idea how that's going to be. But we can, we're, there's going to be styles that emerge from this tremendous revolution that we can't envision today. And that's exciting. Man. That is really exciting. Man, you are you are wound up about this. That's, that's, that's awesome. You got some <laughs> fire in that. So, well, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, there's uh, you don't have the pleasure of, of meeting my partner, who is the brewer. Shaley Bist is the brewer of Independence Brewing Company. I'm the business guy, and uh, you know, one of the reasons we're so excited about this, and one of the reasons we're able to bring on partners like like Greg from Stone, is the reason that uh, it's because of. You know, this is a this is a business that's built to be much larger than just. Wait, uh, Avanish, excuse me for one minute. Who's your partner from Stone? <laughs> a guy by the name of Greg Cook. <laughs> oh, so this is like an international effort. This is kind of serious. So Greg yeah, Cock- so some, Koch some guy from Stone. <laughs> is, is he your partner? Is he your advisor? What is he? Everything. He's everything. He's an investor. He's a partner. He's an advisor. And Greg's not one to uh, to pull his punches on the advice he gives. Um, and, and we are certainly, you know, the beneficiary of, of his wisdom and, uh, you know, his position in the U.S. craft beer industry. And so, you know, th- there's a lot of opportunity here, and we want to do it right. We want to make sure we get out, you know, products that, that really, you know, spur what craft beer can be. And that's, that's the goal. That's the goal of what we're doing. That's really cool. You know, I, I think you made, a re- like, a really great point there by, by comparing the, 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 um, the Indian market to the American market. You are kind of working from a blank, you know, a blank spl- uh, slate here. So you have the ability to rewrite all of the rules, very much like the American market. When the American craft beer revolution happened, it was a blank slate. What do we have, you know, what was our competition? Fizzy yellow lager. So, I mean, you're, you're, like, you're poised to, to make a huge impact here. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that that, uh, that, that obviously we want to leverage everything that's been learned from history on the U.S. side. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. But at the same time, you know, I view, my personal view is the craft beer space is about the people. It's about the people drive this. And therefore, no two markets are going to be the same. But uh, there is a tremendous amount of learning that we can leverage from, from what the U.S. Is, is really pioneered in this space. And, uh, and people like Greg will, will certainly be helpful in that regard, but uh, other people, other partners in India will certainly take that in very different directions. And, uh, you know, how we're going to look in five years is probably going to be very different from how we're, uh, we're expecting to look in year one. So, uh, so the future is, uh, is very exciting. All right. Avanish, one more, one more thing before we sign off. So, again, uh, the, the word you gave, it's the Yavira, or the – what's the word for beer that you, you use in Indian, in Hindi? It's oh, jeez. Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's just called beer. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> using it. So no, it's it. not going to be labeled as Yavira or Yavasura that's on your website. The mild yeah, intoxicating so drink old, uh, made that, of barley. That is Sanskrit. That's not Hindi. That's Sanskrit. We're talking about, I mean, that's the equivalent of Latin, right, So that, in India. So that's, we're talking, you know, centuries ago. Um, no one uses that word um, to describe beer today. And, and in fact, and when you talk about beer today, I mean, people are, are, are referencing, uh, you know, a lot of traditional styles you're getting in the U.S. and Europe. I mean, keep in mind, India is global enough where a lot of people who are working there are from Europe or from the United States, you know, and these are U.S. American managers at, at, at centers and, and offices in, in Bombay who are taking their teams out to show them what a, a porter tastes like. So, you know, the historical side of India remains to be seen how this can be incorporated in all of this, but... Uh, um, India is playing catch up to where everybody else is currently in the craft beer space. All right, Avanish, thanks so much for calling in. Um, we're really going to keep an eye on you. Tell us what's the website that gives us more information. Independence Brew Co. Uh, is the website. Uh, follow us on uh, Facebook at Indie Brew Co. I N D E Brew Co. All one word, and follow uh, follow myself on Twitter at Ava Valunki. and uh, you can keep up to up to speed on everything that's going on in India. And where are you right now? Are you in India? I'm in Boston. Boston? <laughs> Dude, we set up this interview just to, so you could wake up and... Oh, come on, man. <laughs> we no, I mean, I flew here from San Francisco. Shaley's in, uh, in Pune. It's 4 a.m. his time, and, and uh, he's, he's nicely tucked in his bed. I guarantee you that. All right. I bet if he's a good brewer, he's still brewing. So You, brews, <laughs> you brew around the clock in India, don't you? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Avenues, thanks so much for calling in. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by the Dead Stars on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. 
With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. On January 29th, we caught up with Norman Sinclair, the owner of Orkney Brewery in Scotland at St. Andrews, Scotland, I said, at St. Andrews Restaurant and Bar in Midtown Manhattan during a party celebrating the release of Skull Splitter on draft here in the United States. We'll share a little bit of this conversation. Listen to us here on Beer Sessions Radio. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm here at St. Andrews Bar in Midtown Manhattan with Orkney's Skull Splitter, the brewer Norman Sinclair, all the way from Scotland. What a great night it is. You've got uh, people in Viking caps, and uh, the guys from St. Killian's uh, having a party. But we really want to know more about you and your life, the beers that you've made, and uh, what it's like brewing in Scotland. So, Norman, take it away. Tell us about brewing and your whole life. Yeah, um, I'm originally from Orkney, right where the brewery is. Um, in a small area on the west mainland called Kwailu. The brewery's in an old school that dates back to 1876, um, where a lot of my my father went to school there, my grandfather, the head teacher back at the early turn of the century was um, a relation of mine. Uh, so there's a lot of heritage there. I purchased um, the Orkney Brewery in um, 2006 um, when it was in a very, very poor state of everything. Um, Financially um, finished, uh, building-wise completely finished, and I rescued it for the island. The whole scenario was we had the company prior to me had created some very good brands and what was going to happen was, and I can't name any names, but certain big companies were going to buy the brands and close the brewery down. Nobody was interested in the bloody brewery. You know, that wasn't it. They were interested in the brands. So, um, you know, there was a group... I, I'm the sole owner. There's nobody else involved. But, you know, um, a couple of people connected with me, um, one being um, Karen Scholes, um, we wanted to rescue the brewery and keep it on the island. The provenance of the whole product is lost. You take it down south and brew it mass-produced. And this is happening with a lot of um, um, products, not only the beer industry, but you know, people want to know that your beer is actually from Orkney. You know, and it, it's handcrafted. Um, so you're saying, why... Yeah, it was to really not to, to rescue the the whole thing and keep it on the island for for generations. I um, bought the brewery, as I said, in two thousand and six, and we had a, a plan um, one to rescue it and then to to create a, one of the a first class um, facility for brewing and for visitors. And it's just brewery tours are okay. 
I mean, I've been on dozens, and I suppose few people on this station have been on loads of brewery to go in and see a stainless steel tank. You got sampled. Dad's happy. The wife's bored. The kids are <laughs> driving everybody nuts. But I think in this day and age, we have to really, really um, concentrate on the whole family um, visit. It's, we spent a, a lot of time considering children. We have a children's trail within the brewery. The children come in, they get a Victorian jotter um, with all um, a route within the brewery to go to all places to stamp the, the jotter and they're asked questions and they have to answer the questions about whether it was in, in the Victorian times to do with school, etc. Ultimately, what the children are on is a trail to find the corn crake footprint. Now the corn crake is a very 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 rare bird. It's found in Orkney and the Western Isles of um, Scotland. The, the, the bird is a very secretive bird um, and I'll just give you a bit of a laugh. In 2009 um, about a week before we were to start the project, I get a call from Edinburgh RSPB, which is the Royal Society of Prevent, uh, whatever, to do with birds and um, they said that um, there had been a corn crake spotted in the marshes where we have our po- uh, settlement ponds and that could we stop the project for about six months and of course I knew nothing about um, this bird or, and I thought it was a complete bloody wind up so um, I then um, spoke to various people and said oh this is deadly serious now I mean, you've got a corn crake you can't make noise you can't do anything but anyway we were lucky the bird flew away and disappeared <laughs> And we got the project underway. I've done many projects to do with restaurants, hotels and that, but I really, really pulled the stops out in this one. Um, We've created something that is totally unique. We we knew that... I knew all the heritage back about the school, um, and I I posted some posters in local shops um, for memorabilia to do with the school. Um... Lo and behold, 100 people were still alive, or more, that actually attended the school that closed in 1960. Uh, they all formed a major um, group to collect items for me. Um, and we have stuff going right back to the day the school opened in 1876. We have the old um, the original whistle that called the children in. We have the strap. You might not know what the strap is out here, but it's a, it's a, it's a bloody thick belt that gives you a good hiding over the hand. <laughs> Um, we have that. We have pictures galore going right back to day one. Um, we have wartime pictures. We have so much memorabilia that it, it just was coming from every direction in the middle of the construction, and I could hardly cope with the amount of stuff coming in. And Norman, in, in the UK, do you sell your beers in cask, bottles, kegs? You know, what's the market like over there? Okay. Um, primarily, our, our business is, um, revolves from cask beer. We produce, each brew we do, it's a 30-barrel brew plant, mm-hmm. it's 120 casks and 9 gallons, uh, which is somewhere around 41 litres or something. Um, cask beer is what we really are about. We are also one of the largest bottlers of um, bottled ales in Scotland. We supply... Well, just about everybody that sells um, bottled ale in Scotland. Um, Dark Island's number two in Scotland in the ale. Um, has been for many years. Um, we also we don't really do keg beer. The scene in Scotland, a lot of guys now in the brewing industry are doing keg beer, being pulled by hand pool. 
Uh, yeah, you heard me correctly. Yeah, you put the beer in a keg, link it up to a hand pull, and that's cast beer. Well, sorry. Not in my mind, but I don't want to get into an argument with anybody about it. You know, it's everyone to their own. We don't do it. We do a couple of kegs. We do kegs. I mean, it's like a fake cast. So you're saying they put it in a keg system with a CO2, and then they pull it, or a nitro, to make it look like a cask? Is that what you're no, saying? I've never um, heard of this. They only do CO2 to push it up through the pump. The, the CO2 does not go into the actual beer. It's still real ale. It's just a different format of doing it. But, you know, um, it isn't. And it's, it's, very, it's fairly controversial. We do keg beer. We do keg beer um, for a certain reason. We supply all the North Isles ferries. Now, you kind of have cask beer on a ferry with it moving all the time, or you'll have cloudy beer. So we filtered Dark Island for that. Our flagship beer is not really Skull Splitter. It is Dark Island. Dark Island's a huge beer in, in Scotland, UK, Europe. It's been about... The brewery it started brewing in 1988. I should have said that at the beginning. It would have made sense. But um, we started in 1988, <laughs> a long time before my time, but um, Dark Island is a big, big brand now over in Scotland. It's a dark beer, 4.6, very chocolatey. Um, but Skull Splitter is very important to us as well. How, how did this style come about, and, and how did you get the name for this beer? Well, simple answer. It was named after um, a famous Viking. Um, it was all named before I purchased the brewery. So I'm not the, the clever person behind it who created the name. But um, as I said earlier, it's a barley wine, uh, 8.5, and um, it's had great success in the UK. Um, it's won Champion Winter Beer of Britain with Camera. You've all be heard of Camera, Campaign for Real Ale. And um, it's just one of these beers that everybody in the beer scene seems to know. Primarily, I would say, um, Skull Splitter ends up in every beer festival in the UK. Um, out here, it's been coming out here, I guess, for 20 to 25 years in bottle format to many, many states out here, all over. Um, it, and it, sales have been good, it's growing and growing and growing. And our importers have been at me for years since I took over to do it in draft form. We have a huge social media following. I mean, it, it, nobody would believe that the, the, the cult following behind this beer. Um, it, it's just from every state. And the, the biggest laugh you have with this is there are so many folk out here related to Skull Splitter. I mean, it's just un, unbelievable. Uh, and God knows how to find this information out, but we take them all dead serious. It's deadly serious stuff, this. It's Skull Splitter. Um, and um, we respond to every email that we get overnight, um, and they are a lot. And I think we're in for a hell of a lot more soon. Cheers to that. Absolutely. All right, hey, that was our good buddy Norman Sinclair of Orkney Brewery. As you can tell, we talked to him for about two hours one day about a month ago in Midtown Manhattan, and uh, he had a lot to say. It was a great time, but uh, the big thing is he had people dressed up as Vikings running around, and you know Scotland gets it. He also is a big fan of whiskey, so we're happy to be part of this great uh, international beer community. But Ben, um, have you had this the split? Th- it's a skull splitter, skull splitter, yeah, from Orkney. Have you had it before? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I've had Skull Splitter. I've had the Dark Island. Um, I mean, uh, they've both been in the shop. Uh, Dark Island came and went and then came back. Uh, but Skull Splitter has been one, just like you said, it's got like, kind of a cult following uh, in the U.S. Um, very much well, there's so. There's a guy at, named Lars. He's working at St. Killian's Importers. He's bringing a lot of these beers. He's, he, 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 just, he imports uh, the Orkney. He also imports our, our friends uh, from uh, Lebanon, too. So, uh, you know, he's out there doing a lot of cool things. All right. Hey, I'm um, going to say that we're going to give a few sign-offs before we close out. It's been an interesting show. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you uh, for, for coming in tonight. I'll give a quick shout-out again to Blind Bat Brewery on Long Island. They're offering a new membership. You can check it out, blindbatbrewery.com. It's a unique way to uh, help support their expansion. Um, and just a little update, our, again, our guest, former guest, John Conzilla, his Kickstarter campaign did hit their numbers. They're trying to revitalize uh, Long Island hot farming. You can still go check out goodbrazil.com. You can still contribute money. Um, ben, anything else you want to say about uh, your, your new small brewery that you're putting in at Beercraft? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool, and come check it out. All right. And Heidi, from Most Fun, uh, what's coming up for you at special events and uh, pairing beer and food or anything? We're actually uh, pairing up with you over at Food Karma with um, the New York City uh, hot sauce event. I, I just got a little information about it tonight, April 20th through 21st. So come and try some Mongolitsa pork and hot sauce, an amazing product uh, there. And we're going to be partnering with them as well throughout the year. And um, you can buy Mongolitsa pork at uh, mostfund.com as well. All right. And James, anything else about Independence Brewing in India? Uh, looking at a mid-July opening. So... Um that's that's it. That's that's it right now. So people should start making plans and, and get into India this summer. Yes, because the flights are going to be hectic. All right. Or the it's Hot Size Festival. Hey, I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com have helped bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. And uh, wrong page, guys. Here we are. All right. Thanks so much to everybody. <laughs> Heidi, James, Ben, Avanish. Thanks for supporting Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.